Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Raymond Wiley, who is an expert on the Georgia Guidestones. And I know we are going to be having a fascinating discussion about those Georgia Guidestones, exactly what they are and what their purpose is from Raymond's research. So, Raymond, welcome to the show. Peter, thank you very much for having me on. It's my pleasure. Now, it's it's possible that some of uh, our listeners won't know anything at all about the Georgia Guidestones, so perhaps you could give us, first of all, a bit of an overview, a visual of what it looks like and where it is and what it's like. Sure. Uh Georgia Guidestones are a massive rent monument that was built in 1979-1980, and they are located in a fairly uh, out-of-the-way place, Elberton, Georgia, which is uh, pretty pretty far away from Atlanta, not near any major. And they have a very sort of Stonehenge-esque feel to them. They're 19 feet tall, uh, and they're composed primarily of four large granite slabs that have ten guidelines etched into them for or guide the future of humanity, as it were. And these guidelines are etched into the stone in eight different languages, the eight most common modern languages back in 1980 when they were constructed. And then on top of them, holding the four stones together, is a capstone, which has etched into it in four ancient languages uh, a very brief message, let these be guidestones to an age of reason. Uh, The monument also has slots and holes and a shaft cut into it that are meant to track the, uh, the movement of the sun and the stars throughout the year. So though they are very contemporary, they share many characteristics with ancient ancient standing stones that we would find here in England, which is where I'm calling from tonight. Um, and But they also have this message to them um, and these ten guidelines. And there's also a good bit of mystery surrounding them, so I hope we can talk about some of that this evening. Oh, we absolutely can, yeah. yeah. So, Alberton, Georgia, what, why do you think that was the chosen site for this monument? Well, Elberton is uh, often called the granite capital of the world. It has a huge amount of granite industry in it, um, dozens of granite finishing companies, and dozens of quarries in the local area. So um, the mysterious man, R.C. Christian, whose identity we're still not certain of to this day, the man that had the guidestones built, he apparently came to this city because... It's where something like this could be constructed. There's maybe one or two other places in North America that have a granite industry that could support this. And, of course, you know, this industry is not 
typically in the business of making giant monuments, uh, they typically are making uh, memorial stones and um, you know other smaller objects for people throughout the country. So uh, that's that's why it was in Elberton. It's uh, strange, however, that I mean, if you look at the landscape of Elberton, um, you know, you can you already start seeing interesting uh, synchronicity. In correlations with other things you may have heard of. For instance, um, the quarry where stones were cut from was called the Pyramid Quarry. The type of stone they're built of is the pyramid blue granite. So, um, you know, these are sort of, like I said, interesting corollaries to mysteries and perhaps other topics that your audience is familiar with. But the mystery itself and the con surrounding these stones, I think it is also very interesting because they provide a glimpse into the hopes, fears, and superstitions not created the stones, but the people that have interpreted them in the 30 years since they were erected. So, so let's, um, let's talk a lot about to it. talk about tonight, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, first of all, are there, is there any indication... You talked about the landscape. Is there any indication at all of any connection to ley lines or any indigenous traditions in this area? Well, yes, there are indigenous traditions in the area. First of all, we have both the Cherokee and the Scogee Indians who used to live in the area. Um, the Cherokee, in fact, had a uh, well-known meeting ground not too far from where the guns were erected, maybe 10 miles as the crow flies at most. They are, I think the, the site is called Ayelo Wayelo. I probably got that wrong, but it means something like center of the world or meeting place. And so, you know, there is that tradition that's already there in the area, as well as the tradition of Masons, real Masons, not Freemasons, Masons, stonecutters having an industry in the area. As well, and then you know some writers have talked about um, there being perhaps being ley lines at the place. It's certainly on a very tall slide there in the area, and you can get a panoramic view all the way around. And actually uh, enough, there are also geodesic domes that have been built in the area, sort of buttwinch, chipolar style domes. So there's there's a lot of interesting stuff in the land. Around the monument, nothing you know, nothing as grandiose as perhaps Rinla Chateau or Glastonbury or some of these other places we've talked about, but still quite interesting. So the, obviously, because it was 1979, 1980, there must be people uh, still around who were involved in the actual building. Have you managed to research and talk to those people? Yes, I've talked to many of these. People and uh, spoken to a few of them that actually met the mystery man, R.C. Christian, the, the Godstones originally built. Um, only a few people ever met him, and he never gave them his real name, so no one knows exactly what his true identity is. No one except for the banker in town, a man named Wyatt Martin, who we do have excerpts from an interview with in the book. He was the man that bankrolled the project. The mysterious stranger came into town in 1979 and went into one of the best granite finishing shops in the area and said, I want to commission this giant monument. Um, and who ran the company, Joe Findlay, who is now deceased, 
and who later became the mayor of the town, strangely enough, um, he thought that it was a joke at first. And so, in fact, there have been some quotes that he thought his local Shriner buddies had had put someone up to this or had paid someone to play a prank on him. So he sends the guy to a local banker in the area, Wyatt Martin, who is still alive. Wyatt describes the encounter that he had with Mr. Christian as being one where after just a few minutes, it was obvious that the man did have the funds and resources to build such a monument, probably many hundreds of thousands of dollars that it cost. Um, but he said that the condition by which he would have the monument built is that the banker would keep his name secret and never never release or tell who he was. So, and this is, of course, where the controversy began, right? People didn't even, and then, you know, we'll talk about what's actually written on them in a few minutes. Yeah. But from, from that point on, there was controversy because no one knew exactly who this person was and why they were building such a large monument out of the way rural town, you know. And what was the, uh, in terms of the cost, what was the overall cost approximately? I would estimate somewhere between two hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand dollars initially, and um, it, there's evidence that the builder may have run out of money through the course of the project because there are there's some talk and designs within the writing within R.C. Christian's writing uh, describing another ring of stones uh, that would have gone around what has already been built and would mark the passage in the course of the moon. And would also have uh, the, gu- the the guidelines written in different other different languages as well. So you know there we see you know m- more references to astronomical alignment, something like Chaco Canyon perhaps, which we talk about a little bit in the book. Um, these, these moonstones were never built. They were never laid into the ground. So we can imagine the full project probably costing something being envisioned of in the area of around 500000 So, um, So, yeah, that's the approximate cost. And for me, that's a big clue that perhaps the idea that there is this elite new world order that has built the Georgia Godstones – that might not be entirely accurate because if it were the global elite or whoever, it would seem like they would have a huge amount of money and would have been able to build the thing to its full proportion. You know, so. Raymond, we're actually coming up to our first break, and you've set the stage beautifully with some mysterious questions that need answering around the monument itself, some of the conspiracy theory around it, and also the mystery man who's behind the building of it. So we'll return with Raymond Wiley, Wiley in a moment. It's Peter Tunk, Awakenings and Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. 
Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you, to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertongue.com, to check up all of the information that is there and past radio shows and uh, my newsletters that come out every month. And also to www.myheartcenteredjourney.com. And we have our Ambassadors of Light program. The next one is actually tomorrow evening, Thursday, at 5.30 West Coast time, where we're going to be talking about our Aquarius workshop and the success of that and beginning to look at the shift from Aquarius into Pisces and the opening of the portals to paradise, to the upper realms, to the celestial realms which coincide with the oneness, the everythingness and the nothingness of Pisces and that's tomorrow evening at 5.30 so please go to www.petertongue.com or www myheartcenterjourney.com I have with me today Raymond Wiley who is talking about the Okay, sorry about that. We just lost uh, contact with Raymond. Are you back, Raymond? Okay, I'll just carry on. I'll carry on chatting. Yeah. So, I was just about to say we're going to recontact with Raymond, who is uh, in England. We're going to go to uh, telephone rather than on the internet and through Skype. And so uh, we'll have him back in a moment. And I was just about to say that we are having this discussion with Raymond about the Georgia Guidestones. And in the first segment, Raymond gave us uh, a physical view. And if you haven't seen uh, the Guidestones, it's well worth going onto the YouTube that Raymond produced to demonstrate the, uh, the actual look of the Guidestones and to walk around and actually see the different elements, the different elements of them. Raymond, are you there? Yes, Peter, I'm sorry. I think we've had a problem with the Internet connection here. No, that's okay. Uh, you sound great. It sounds like you were doing... 
Thank you very much. It sounds like you're doing a great job promoting my YouTube video in my absence. Thank you very <laughs> <Absolutely>. much. <laughs> so how do people get to that, by the way? Uh, just go to YouTube and search the name of the book, The Georgia Guidestones, America's Most Mysterious Monument. Okay, fantastic. So, uh, Raymond, tell us, tell us what the actual written messages are on the Guidestones themselves. Yes, and this is where I think the controversy really comes in for a lot of people who take this monument in. And I'm going to read them one at a time. There are ten of them. And these are, like I said, etched into the stones in the eight most popular modern languages, much like a Rosetta Stone. Messages are, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with a living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And the last, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. And so obviously one of the most controversial aspects of this whole situation is the first message about the 500 million people on the planet. Yes, and I think this is what first attracts many people to the Guidestones. Uh, many people or many people who have reported on the Guidestones have them in a very negative light, sort of a demonic light, as it were. And they believe that the uh, the, the author of the Guidestones, this mysterious R.C. Christian, and this first tenet, maintain humanity under 500 million, they believe that that is a call for genocide. They believe that it is a call for the reduction of the human oppressive act. And um, this has been the main center of controversy around the stones and most likely the reason why they have been heavily vandalized and damaged over the past few years. Um, and this is, of course, a topic that we had to delve into for the book. Controversy, the center of these conspiracy theories, I guess you could call them. And I don't think that that's necessarily a negative term to use. Um, you know, that being the center of them, we get into that. And you know, what we saw in R.C. Christian's writings um, gave us sort of a different point of view on it because the author of the Georgia Guidestones, its creator, also wrote a book, which he published a few years after the Guidestones were erected. It was called Common Sense Renewed. In it, R.C. Christian uh, outlines what his vision for the future is and what his motivations behind building the Georgia Guidestones were and what uh, and, and what the tenants mean, these ten tenants mean to him. And so, you know, in, so in that, we, from that, we understand that, or at least from his point of view, and this, you know, could be a, a cover story after all, but taking it as still uh, motivation, describes um, the world in 1980 as being an atomic tinderbox. Uh, a world where he is expecting a nuclear exchange between the United States and the Soviet Union. 
And his fears were not wholly unjustified at that time. That was perhaps the hottest point of the Cold War after the Cuban Missile Crisis, right at the beginning of the 80s. You know, the Soviets went into Afghanistan the next year, after all. Um, and so we see him constantly referring in his book to our Union, trying to avoid an event that will cause massive destruction. And, but the Godstones are in many ways his way of hedging his bets, just in case the Cold War turns into a hot war. He's built Georgia Godstones, I think is his motivation. And so the idea is the population has been destroyed by World War III, which is what he foresaw. That they have these ten guidelines to rebuild society, and so from that context, um, the five maintain humanity under five hundred million does not require the stones to want to kill everyone, which is I think the mission that is made against him quite often by conspiracy uh, authors and radio show. <laughs> People like and me. I think I think it well, I mean, you know, I don't know, Peter. I think you're things, but I think the problem with the guidestones is off at least up until now, there hasn't been very much written about them, there hasn't been too much published about them, and so it's hard to get all the facts together in one place, and that's really what we So if we look at the Georgia Guidestones in the context of someone Boat for people who go through some terrible apocalyptic scenario and survive, then you know, that I think is a completely different set of motivations. So really, um, then you're, you're you're looking at this then potentially as for those people who survive any form of nuclear disaster, this would be their guidelines towards uh, a successful future on the planet for whatever is left of it. Exactly, and in that context. Tenity under 500 million doesn't sound like too bad of an idea. You know, living here in our in our in our seven billion, it seems a little off the wall. But you know, if we're living in the Mad Max or whatever, which is what I think what he was envisioning in the 1980s, then it does make sense. And I realize that it's not just man-made things that may come along and cause catastrophe. You know. If we have uh, the cycle of ice ages and uh, impacts of comets and things. You know, uh, you know, human disease and all this sorts of stuff. You know, anything like that could, and it doesn't have to be some plot by the New World Order for it to happen. Though I'm not, can't be. Um, I just don't think that R.C. Christian was part of that. I think his motivation. The guns seem to be pretty positive. Now, I read his book, and I think some of his political ideas are not positive and do smell of um, conspiracist ilk, right? He suggests that, um, you know, hopefully a nuclear war won't happen, but if it doesn't, we certainly we still need to worry about it. He suggests that a way to reduce the population is not by James Bond but by a one-child policy, much like what China has. And he says if, if all couples just have a few generations, that our population problem will be solved. 
Now, this, like I said, is not generally a controversial idea. And, you know, when most people in Georgia, especially, were not kindly to someone suggesting that they can only have one child if that's, you know, they don't want to do that. Right. So, you know, there is stuff like that. And there's also this idea that he didn't, like, if you read his book, he doesn't really have welfare at all or taking care of the poor at all. He believes that uh, almost like social Darwinism, some kind of social Darwinism. He also believes that if unemployment should be able to move, arbitrarily move people from one part of the country to another where they can get employment. Which sounds a lot like slavery <laughs> to yeah. me. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, because I found, I went looking for conspiracy theories, and I went and thinking that they would probably at least semi-accurate, and I found that most of the ones that were floating around that were were stones to be torn down and all of this stuff didn't hold water. But at the same time, fan who I wouldn't necessarily want to be the governor of the state or the president or anything like that. You know, someone who wanted to build a work of art and who I agree with on some things, but just so. Do we have that? Do we have any knowing of where he is now? Uh, well, the from what we've been told, R.C. Christian is now dead. Okay. And, and is anybody else that we quote from? So has anybody else taken over the, the mantle? No, no. And R.C. Christian has, has never publicly appeared in, in Elberton, the Guidestones, or anything like that since 1980 when they were built. So we have some clues, things like his accent or the kinds of things he may have been interested in, his general, but nothing that can really narrow down who he is. Now, we like we from an interview with Wyatt Martin in the book, who's the only man who knows who R.C. Christian actually is. And in that interview, he describes get, receiving a telephone call a few years ago from R.C. Christian, who he mentions is more famous, excuse me, or more well-known than R.C. Christian, who his son was, but you wouldn't know who he was. Um, anyway, he gets White Martin gets a call and says, "Hey, my father has passed away, and I just wanted to let you know, and please, you know, keep his identity a secret." And uh, you know, White Martin has kept working, and as far as I know, has burnt all of his records from the building. Wow. Raymond, we're coming up. We're coming up to our, uh, our next break. Um, we're going to contact you through phone here to uh, continue the interview after this break. It's Peter Tan okay. for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. 
Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today Raymond Wiley, who is talking about the Georgia Guidestones. So, Raymond, before we continue the discussion, perhaps you could tell our listeners how they can contact you and also get the book. Sure. Well, if you want to email me, uh, send me an email at ray, R-A-Y, ray at disinfo.com, ray at disinfo.com. Um, you know, I know I was cutting out a little bit back there, guys, so if you missed something that I said and you have a question, please send it on. And if you want to get the book... Um, it's available at um, uh, most bookstores, should be. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, or even better, you can go to guidestones.us, guidestones.us, and there you will find links to get uh, the PDF ebook and the audio book of the book. Um, the PDF ebook is currently at $4.99 and the audio book is at $7.99. So that's only available on the website. So if you want to save yourself a couple of bucks, guidestones.us Thank you, Raymond. So, before the break, we were talking a little bit about the mystery man himself, R.C. Christian, and there's been some suggestion that he is somehow linked to the Rosicrucians. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, and, you know, this was a mystery that, you know, was especially um, especially exciting for me, because I'm I, you know, have spent a lot of time studying the history of occult and esoteric movements over the years, and I had run across the Rosicrucians many times before. So, of course, when I first saw the name R.C. Christian, as many people do, I thought, oh, that sounds a lot like 
Christian Rosenkreutz, who is the mythical founder of the Rosicrucian order and the subject of the uh, original Rosicrucian literature that we see popping up in the early 1600s in Germany. Um, Christian Rosenkreutz is, like I said, very close to R.C. Christian. All you have to do is sort of turn a few things around. And then, of course, the Rosicrucians are also called the Order of the Rosy Cross, R.C. And then we read in some literature from the 17th century um, about the Rosy Cross, and they talk about what their symbol is, what their seal is. He says, you know, uh, some groups, their symbol is the garter or perhaps the double-headed eagle. But for us, our sign is the mark R.C., which I thought was quite interesting. And so just within the name there, we have certain links to the Rosicrucian movement and the Rosicrucian mythology. As, and then if you look at the, at the godsons themselves, you know, across the capstone is etched the message, let these be guidestones to an age of reason. You know, and, and the, it's in Babylonian cuneiform and Egyptian hieroglyphics and two other ancient uh, writing systems. And the Age of Reason is, you know, very much connected to the Rosicrucians and two other esoteric movements of the 17th century, um, you know, during this, the early period of the Enlightenment and the Age of Reason. Um, you know, one figure that's intimately connected to the Age of Reason and to this whole period is, of course, Thomas Paine, who wrote the, the tract Common Sense, which, you know, helped spark the American Revolution. Well, R.C. Christian's book is called Common Sense Renewed, and he talks in, at length in the book about how he is inspired by the work of Thomas Paine and the early founding fathers. And as you know, many of the people in, in your audience may be aware, you know, there are you know, many links between Enlightenment thinking, secret societies, and the early founding fathers of the United States. And so... It seems to fit generally within that milieu. But in some of his writings, of course, R.C. Christian says, uh, you know, any rumors of occult connections are completely uh, bogus. You know, they're not real. But, you know, you know, if I represented some kind of secret society or something like that, uh, I might say the same thing. You know? <laughs> so, and if we look at the modern Rosicrucian movement, because it still exists. No one knows if it's, if these groups are actually linked to the original Rosicrucians, or if there even was a Rosicrucian fraternity before the, before the original, uh, Confessio and the other, um, uh, Rosicrucian manifestos were written. It's hard to know if they actually even existed before then. But there are certainly dozens of groups in the U.S all over Europe and all over the world, who claim to be Rosicrucians. And it doesn't seem too far out to me to think that maybe perhaps one of these small Rosicrucian fraternities, like the AMORC or some other group, you know, perhaps one of their local groups somewhere had R.C. Christian as a member. And perhaps he saw the Guidestones as partially an expression of that enlightenment, Rosicrucian, perhaps even semi-magical worldview, you know. 
one of the things I wanted to come back to from the Guidestones that interests me is the notion of um, this living new language to unite humanity. What does he say about that in the book? He talks about that for a brief chapter in the book, and it's very hard to understand exactly what he's getting to with it, if it's going to be some kind of uh, post-English combination of other languages, or if it's going to be sort of like enforced from above, or how it's exactly going to come into existence. Um, but, I mean... So for the audience out there, it, the book can be found, Common Sense Renewed. It can be found online in some places. It can be kind of hard to find. It can also be ordered directly from the Elbert Granite, Elberton Granite Museum, which, you know, has a good amount of stuff related to the Georgia Guidestones in it. And you can get the book for about $10. So um, a lot of times people will say that this book is very rare or that it is very costly, and it is not. So watch out for the people who try to sell it for $300 on eBay, which I have seen. Um, really? Anyway, so it's, but as far as this new living language, it's, it's, very, it's very sort of up in the air, and it's perhaps one of the wildest ideas that he discusses within Common Sense Renewed. Um, but, yeah, so there you go. Um, so he wasn't talking. He wasn't talking about uh, some sort of telepathic transmission. Telepathic transmissions. Yeah. Uh, I have personally received no telepathic transmissions at the Godstones. However, uh, we were was, talking, we were was, talking I, about this I, earlier. Um, it, his appearance has changed to me over the years, which is, I think, kind of strange. Like. You think going and seeing something over and over again and studying it intimately, that it would begin to take on the same appearance to you each time, perhaps even shrink in your field of vision just a little bit. But it seems to loom larger as time goes by, and I go and see it over and over again. Um, perhaps it's a greater understanding of the significance of this monument and how it represents certain issues about art and freedom of speech in general. And, you know, perhaps it's just becoming like a friendly place to me in some ways, which might be controversial, but um, I think it's a good, you know, if you're going to go, if you're in the southeastern United States and you're, you're looking for interesting sites, it's definitely worth taking a day trip and going and seeing it. Um, I mean, it's very accessible. There's no, there's no opening or closing hours. There's no, you know, price to get in or anything like that, which I think is really good. It's managed by Elbert County now, which is the county in Georgia where it, where it is. Um, and R.C. Christian deeded the land to the county in perpetuity as long as they would take care of the monument. So I think the local granite, uh, association along with the county kind of keep it up now uh, so it would be hard to find so you know because a lot of people think that oh well you could just find out who's, who owns it or who keeps it up and you know exactly who it is who built it but it's not the case um, it's very very good mystery in that way so and what do you, what, uh, what, what's your understanding or knowing of other people's experiences when they go there well, in the book, we write about a local pagan couple 
uh, Lady Galadriel and her husband, who, who, were, who had a coven in Atlanta at the time. Uh, I think it was a Wiccan coven or a neo-pagan coven. And they went out there the day they were unveiled in 1980, because it was the equinox, the spring equinox, and did a ritual out there. And, you know, they described very positive experiences, and I think many of the tenets of the Godstones, perhaps not the 500 million one, but many of the others, I think, are in line with the very earth-friendly beliefs of many neo-pagans that you find there. Um, and then, you know, other people go there and see it as a site of protest, perhaps not so much for them in a spiritual way, but there's a certain spiritual vibe that comes off of someone when they go there and project their superstition, typically onto YouTube. Um, <laughs> but we've, we've seen quite a bit of that as well, and um, we write about that a lot in the book, especially about the, a man that I often called the masked ranter, who was the guy that snuck out to the Godstones right after they had been uh, vandalized. Perhaps he was the one that vandalized them, perhaps not, uh, and recorded a video of himself in a mask with his voice all changed, saying, talking about how the, Godst- uh, the Georgia Godstones were the um, stargate of the New World Order and all of this stuff. And you know, I think it gets around. I think it gets back around to something that Peter, you and I were talking about earlier: is the idea that the Godstones, like any good work of art, are open to interpretation and often reflect people's beliefs back at them. My friends. So let's just, uh, Raymond. Let's come into our final. We're just coming to our final break there. Just hold that. Meaning. Hold that thought. And we'll come back to it. Uh, just hold, and I just hold that thought, Raymond. We'll come back to it uh, after this break. This is Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. 
another wonderful opportunity is coming our way, and I just want to forewarn you um, that I'm going to be hosting a radio show on www.thegreatgathering.org, which is a website set up by Miriam Delicado, a previous guest on the show, to bring the conscious community together into grassroots action and activity. And I'm going to be hosting my first show on that uh, particular website on Thursday, February the 23rd at 7 p.m. West Coast time. And my guests are going to be the group SeedingTheFutureNow.org, who are a wonderful group of people that I'm involved with in helping people to seed the new educational systems and paradigms for this future world that perhaps the Georgia Guidestones were referring to. So at 7 o'clock, February the 23rd, thegreatgathering.org is the website for the radio show. So now back to you, Raymond, talking about the Georgia Guidestones. And just before the break, you were beginning to talk about the actual monument as being a, uh, a piece of artwork. And I think you, you've told me off air that one of your colleagues describes it as a prism of meaning to people. Just, just describe to our listeners what you mean by that. Yes, uh, the Georgia Guidestones are a prism of meaning in that they often reflect people's beliefs or superstitions back at them. Though they have words printed on them and etched into them, their faces become almost like a mirror at times, reflecting the superstitions, hopes, fears, and prejudices of the people that are attracted to the monument. And that's one thing that I found very interesting about it. Um, it's much like the film The Empire Strikes Back when Luke uh, looks, peers into the cave and says to Yoda, what's in there? I, I feel cold. And Yoda says, only what you take with you. And in many ways, that is the Georgia Guidestones for many people and for many of the people who have popularized them on the Internet and uh, throughout the world over the past few years. Um, they tend to reflect people's pre-existing beliefs back at them, and they tend to be interpreted through people's, through a lens. And this makes them like any work of art, which is what they are. They are, and they are an act of conscious co-creation between the anonymous R.C. Christian and a banker and a skeptical granite company man and sandblasters and stonecutters and quarrymen and Thomas Paine and so many others. So if you bring all of these elements together into a work of art, no matter what it says, it's going to elicit different responses from different people. And the more um, controversial the message is of a work of art, and the more ambiguous the meaning that the artist which to convey is, uh, the more controversy there will be. And in this case, it's caused the Godstones to be vandalized and defaced and demonized uh, when they are, in, they in fact could be looked at as a, like I said, an act of conscious co-creation and a reminder to us all of where humanity can go if we don't watch out. 
you know, and I think that's what's important about the Guidestones. What's also important about the Guidestones, if we hate them, and if we think that they are some evil satanic monument, it's important for us to remember that, you know, uh, the First Amendment and the ideals of people like Thomas Paine, who we were talking about earlier, that that no, no one can infringe on a man's freedom of speech, because that right does not come from men. It comes from something above men and above humanity, I think, if that's possible. And so to to say that the guidestones should be destroyed, that they should be torn down, it's like saying that any work of art should be destroyed or, turned, or, or burned down. It's like saying that books should be burnt. And it is not, I think, an act of patriotism to say that, even if you completely disagree with what they say. You know, I think, and, and remembering that, and remembering what makes us better than the Orwellian New World Order that we fear for the future is a much more positive thing than, you know, trying to destroy or defame or demonize what is essentially a work of art. Um, and, you know, I've been surprised that that idea has elicited, you know, fairly good reactions from people when they're reminded of that, and when they're reminded that this, this making an object like this reflects something in their core values, whether or not the actual guidelines themselves do or not. Does that make sense, Peter? Absolutely, yeah, and it does. And, and, and so, so much of what's happening in the world today, uh, in my experience, is a reflection back to where we are on our own journey. And so you have an object there that can be used in any way. It's, it's, it's a monument. And it can be used for incredible benefit and it can be used for uh, less so. Uh, what I am interested in, though, is because it's a mystery and because it may have some connection to esoteric uh, principles, is there any sense that there is anything buried there underneath the ground? Ah, yes. Now, this is a common um, rumor about the Guidestones, that there is something buried there. And, in fact, there was something that was intended to be buried there. If we, buried there, if we look at the flagstone, um, which is a stone that lays flat on the ground nearby to the Guidestones, and explains, uh, you know, its measurements and a few things about who built it and why it was built. Uh, and if we look on the flagstone, there's a space left that says, a time capsule was laid here on this date, and that date is left blank. Um, and in my research, it, it was found that, you know, we found that this was part of the initial project, the idea that there was to be a, a time capsule laid there on the site, that perhaps the school, the school children in Elberton would do that or be part of that project or some of the local community would, but it would not be an act that R.C. Christian and his group were part of. So, of course, like many other things with the Godstones, uh, it was this, this part of the project was never completed. And so, you know, uh, so I guess the site kind of begs for a time capsule now that no one has ever laid one in the ground. And a lot of people think that one has already been laid, though, which has led them to go digging on the site, which is most regrettable as far as I'm concerned, uh, and has caused quite a bit of damage to the edges of the flagstone, where people have tried to dig around it and dig down underneath it, thinking, oh, there's a time capsule directly under this granite slab. 
which there isn't. And in fact, I mean, you can see YouTube videos of this. People just being, you know, this is my outing of treasure hunting to the Godstones. I'm fighting the New World Order by defacing a large work of art. <laughs> you know, basically, is kind of the way it comes off to me. And you can see a lot of this on the Internet or on YouTube if you search for the Godstones, Time Capsule, stuff like that. So... Um, and so that's one thing that whenever I do interviews, I'm really glad to talk about because I, you know, like I said, I have some respect for this as a work of art and as a someone's free expression. And I don't think that people should necessarily be digging on the site, especially if it is known through the research that there's nothing buried there. So, so Raymond, actually, come- the stones themselves, there is a foundation because the stones are so big and the ground is kind of soft there on the top of the hill. But, you know, nothing buried there that I know of. Now, there so, is... So, um, Raymond, we're actually, uh, we're actually out of time. There's a scraggly rose bush there on the site, which is a um, leftover from a rose bush that was planted many years ago, and it represents, well, I mean, it could represent some of this Rothacrucian stuff, that we were talking about as well. And we found a letter and a series of articles written by the man who had the rose bush planted. And if you read this stuff, it is so far out. He's talking about some sort of mystical Christianity and how he wants to relate the Guidestones to that, and that's why there should be roses planted there. So um, we reprint quite a bit of it in the book. And just like anything else, it's open to the reader's interpretation what it what it exactly means. So, so Raymond, we're actually at the end of our time. We have uh, we've run out of time. Really appreciate your your time with us today. Just very quickly, give us your contact information again. Yeah, great. You can email me at ray at disinfo dot com, ray at disinfo dot com, or you can go and grab the book at your local bookstore or guidestones.us where you can download the PDF ebook version of the book for $4.99. You can download the audiobook version of the book for $7.99, which is something like half the price of Amazon. So please go and check that out. It was a great pleasure to be on your show today, Peter. I'd love to come back sometime in the future. Well, lovely to have you on, Raymond. Thank you so much. It's obviously created a lot of interest and controversy in this very interesting monument, the Georgia Guystones. Thank you so much. Next week, my guest will be Christine Day, who will be talking about the Pleiadian frequencies of brilliance. Now, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. And check out that YouTube where Raymond gives a very, very clear the outline of the Georgia Guidestones in about a 13-minute video presentation. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.